Good morning. Uh, what a blessing it is to be here with you this morning. I hope that you've had a good uh, several days and you've been able to fellowship and visit with your friends and family members. Uh, not everyone is blessed with that. Uh, I've been blessed richly with that and I'm very thankful for uh, the last few days. It's been, been a great time with family. Um, I also want to thank you all for uh, your support in the work. You've, you've helped us quite a bit as that goes. And uh, we've uh, officially moved to Amarillo a few days ago. And uh, we very much look forward and we're thankful for the opportunity that we'll be able to do uh, the Lord's work together. So thank you very much for that. Thank you also for... Uh, the edification that you provided this morning for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, what an awesome song service and prayer service so far. I mean, how deep the Father's love. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so, I want to talk for a little while this morning um, about Simon Peter and what led me to uh, kind of focus on Simon Peter was uh, uh, the place where we uh, spent the last four years. Uh, the leadership there had got wind that many of our congregations were having uh, fellowship in each other's homes, and they were watching a, a uh, production called uh, uh, The Chosen, and they wanted to uh, get uh, some type of diagnostic on this show. So I sat down with my Bible and watched it, and uh, we had a meeting, you know, we binge, I binge watched it. Uh, we had a meeting with leadership later on, and, I, and, and my report to them was, uh, you know, with any religious production that's made, we need to have our Bible sitting beside us to verify what's being portrayed on the screen. But I'll tell you what, we could do a lot worse things to watch than that. As a matter of fact, I, I can't think of anything better as far as uh, mass productions go than that, than that production. I thought it was uh, very well done, but that, that's kind of what led me into this study on Simon Peter. So we're going to spend a little time talking about Simon Peter this morning and if you're anything uh, like me in any way, you'll, you'll probably find a lot of uh, commonality with Simon Peter uh, and the things that he did and his attitudes uh, as we go through. So some of this stuff that we'll be talking about is taken from secular historians. It's not biblical. It's not from the Bible. And we'll try to uh, differentiate, differentiate as we go along between that. So, uh, Simon was born Simon Barjona in uh, approximately 1 B.C. So he's about the same age as Jesus Christ, as far as on the fleshly realm. Uh, he was born in Bethsaida, which was on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he was the son of Jonah and the brother of the apostle Andrew. Uh, he was a fisherman. Uh, the secular historians tell us that 
uh, between 25 and 27 A.D., Simon marries. And uh, actually, some historians claim that he had three, three children. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later, because in Scripture, all we're told is that he was an elder. And we know that one of the qualifications in being an elder was ruling your house well, having faithful children, not accused of right or unrule. So we do know he had children, we just don't know how, how many from Scripture. Uh, shortly thereafter, he uh, moved six miles down the coast of the Sea of Galilee with his mother-in-law, and I can relate to that. I'm living with my mother-in-law right now, so, and I thank her for that, for providing a place for us to live. <laughs> so, a lot of these longer readings, there's a couple of longer readings, you might want to get your Bible out because I don't have them on the screen. Uh, first, we want to read about Andrew telling his brother, Simon, about Jesus. There in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, starting there in verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus, now this is John the Baptist, coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, Afore, uh, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Talking about Christ. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, one of these disciples was Andrew, Peter's brother. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by, by interpretation a stone or Peter. So there's the first really account of Peter uh, in Scripture meeting Christ and Christ changes his name to Peter. Jesus fasts and is tempted in the wilderness. And then he begins to really assert his ministry at this point, about Capernaum, 30 AD. In Matthew 4 and 17, the scripture reads, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he calls his first disciples, Matthew 4 and 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, 
and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Can you imagine being at work and the Lord showing up and saying, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And just dropping everything and going. Peter was pretty uh, uh, impetuous. He acted a lot of times on how he felt. That's the impression I get from a lot of things we're told about him. A few things Peter witnessed in his time with Jesus. There in Matthew 8, chapter 14. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Another thing, a miraculous thing, watching one of his kinfolk healed right in front of him. Peter witnessed that. There in Matthew 8 and 16, when evening had come, they brought to him, this is Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Peter sat there and watched this with his own eyes. He witnessed Jesus healing the lame and the sick. What an astonishing thing to see. And what we have to keep in mind here is this, you know, Peter, in the background of Peter and, and basically all the apostles, they were looking, they grew up on stories of the Messiah. And they were expecting a, a, a military leader to lead Israel to victory over their enemies, mainly Rome. And there, there in Luke chapter 5 and 6, they're out there fishing. And that, that account there, it says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets was, were broken. Jesus commanded Peter to throw his net to a specific spot off the side of the boat, and when he pulled it back, there were so many fishes, they couldn't pull the net in. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Have you ever been there? Seen the greatness the power of God, and believed in that forgiveness that He offers, and just feeling totally unworthy. Totally unworthy. That's where Peter's at. Depart from me, O Lord. He was convicted. Faith. We'll talk about Peter and faith. Have you ever had weaknesses, weak, weak moments in your faith? You know, I was talking to a fellow. Uh, matter of fact, we ordained him as a deacon not too long ago. And he told me that when he first obeyed the gospel, there was a traveling preacher that came through there where he lived. And that traveling preacher just kept on hammering, hammering the point that you must have faith and you can't ever waver. 
And basically what he got out of that sermon, whether it was right or wrong, his, his interpretation of what was said was if, if my faith wavers, then I'm no longer in it. I'm no longer saved. I'm no longer in the church. And he said, I, I'll tell you what, my faith was not very strong. I mean, it wavered back and forth. I was one of them guys that prayed to the Lord, God, help my unbelief. Give me faith. And he said, my faith, it just, I struggled with it. And he said, I almost just left the church because I thought there was something wrong with me physically, mentally, that I couldn't have enough faith. And, I can, and you know, I can relate to that. I can relate to weaknesses and weak moments in faith. Is it nice to have them? No. But it does happen. I want, I want to look at Simon Peter here and how he, how he fell to this. Now, they're out there on the water in the storm. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water. At first they think he's a ghost. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That's a high moment of faith, isn't it? Walking on the water right towards the Lord. But you know what? Peter started to notice the things going on around him. And he had concern and worry. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? How many times has that happened to us? When we see things going around, on around us in the world, whether it be things that are pleasurable that we want, our flesh wants it, desires that are not godly, and we lose our focus, and we begin to sink, and then when we start to suffer because of our decisions, we cry out to God, God save me, which is rightly what we should do. But how many people can you think of that were brothers and sisters in Christ that began to sink and they sunk lower and they lower and they never cried out for the Lord. They never reached for His hand and they died in the depths. It's something to consider. Peter was also blessed. He was blessed by a revelation from God about Jesus. There in Matthew chapter 16, there starting in verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
but my Father who is in heaven. Can you imagine being blessed with that revelation from the Holy Spirit? This is the Son of God. What a blessing. And each and every person here that's obeyed the gospel has partaken of that blessing in some form or another. Where you knew Jesus. You know Him as the Son of God. What a blessing. But I want you to look what happened just a short time after He was blessed with this revelation. There in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now here is a man that has witnessed the Lord, the Son of God, healing people, all manner of sickness and disability, raising people from the dead, and he rebukes the Lord. He tries to rebuke the Son of God. What does that say to you? I'll tell you what it says to me. It says pride. Something that I'm intimately familiar with. A major stumbling block. There in verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You see, because Peter was still stuck. He was still stuck in seeing his eyes were viewing the world in a fleshly manner. He did not have spiritual vision. And a lot of times we get trapped in that. Looking at people and things and events through fleshly lenses instead of the Spirit. And you know, Peter made a a promise to Jesus. He made a promise to Jesus. Have you ever done that? I remember the first time I ever made a promise to God. I said, God, if you will let us win this regional finals football game and go on to state, I will worship you forever. I will not do any of the bad things I've been doing. What an immature attitude, right? But even as men and women, members of the church, do we make promises to God? If He'll do this for us, then we'll do that. Matthew 26 and 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. 
I will die with you. I won't deny you. And so said all the disciples. It's a big promise, isn't it? I'll die for you. You ever said that? I'll die for the church. I bet a bunch of you have said that. When you start thinking about things, the way things are going in the world and where they might end up, where we Christians might actually start to suffer like the first century Christians, do you think about that? I'll die for the church. The question is, is when the rubber meets the road, is that what's really going to happen? Is that what we're really going to do? If that situation is put in front of us? You know, Jesus asked Peter and the other disciples to lay and keep watch for him as he went to the garden and prayed in sorrow and anguish, knowing that he was about to die. The righteous, the most righteous man that ever walked the face of the earth was going to die for something other people did. And he asked Simon to keep watch for him. And had Simon failed, he couldn't stay awake for a few hours. How many times do we fail the Lord when He asks us to do things? Went to follow the commandments of God and we fail Him. I dare say that there's not one person in this room that can raise their hand and say that that doesn't happen except for maybe some of these little babies. So we find a great likeness to Peter in ourselves. Of course, we're familiar how Judas betrayed Jesus and he led the armed men to arrest him. And there Jesus was with his apostles. Jesus went, uh, Judas went up and kissed Jesus on the cheek to indicate that this is Jesus Christ to the soldiers. They go to take him. And what does Peter do? He draws a sword. This is the moment he's been waiting for. <laughs> it's the moment. We're fixing to kick this thing off. We're fixing to go full military here. John 18 and 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? What do you think Peter was thinking when Jesus said that to him? Put your sword up. This is what Peter has been living for. So Jesus has taken... He's taken to be questioned by armed men. This is a pretty long reading, so if you would, turn with me. Matthew 26. Starting there in verse 58. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. 
Now the chief priests and elders, all the council, sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. And at the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it to which these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold now, ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffet him. And the others smote him with palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now I want you to keep in mind that Peter was there witnessing this. We're told in another gospel that Jesus turned and looked at Peter during this process. You remember what Peter told Jesus? I will die for you. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, and the other maids saw him and said unto him, unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. You know, for many years, I thought that Peter was cussing. He was using bad words to emphasize the fact that he didn't know Jesus. That's not what Peter was doing here. Peter was taking an oath before God. Do you know what that means? He was taking an oath before God, calling down, calling down punishment from God upon himself if what he said about not knowing Jesus was true. That's how vehemently this man was denying Christ. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt not deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. So much for that promise, right? So much for that promise. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter felt at that moment when Jesus turned and looked at him 
after being spit upon and struck and treated so vilely and watching his, one of his best friends deny him. Can you imagine that? I mean, we've all experienced shame and guilt. Makes it real easy to relate to Peter, doesn't it? So what is to be thought of Peter at this moment? Where is his faith? In the last 24 hours, he has rebuked Christ and been rebuked. Fell asleep on watch while Jesus suffered and prayed. Cut off a man's ear. Denied Christ three times. I would say that's rock bottom. I don't think you can go any lower than that. Where's his faith? You know, after Christ died on that cross and was buried, you know what Peter did? He went fishing. Because that's all he knew to do. He was going to go back to what he knew. He was going to fish. John 21 and 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had not now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that he, it was Jesus. The risen Christ. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Sounds familiar, right? We, these guys have been there before. So they cast, and now that they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. And I want you to notice what Peter did. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. He wasn't going to wait for the boat to get to shore. He saw the Lord, the risen Lord. He didn't wait, he jumped off the boat. So he goes and greets the Lord. And he sits down to have a bite to eat and has a conversation with Jesus. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He's telling Simon Peter to feed the church. This man who was a striker, who resisted God's will, who denied Christ three times in the presence of Christ. And yet Jesus is saying, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I want you to consider two men. I want you to consider Simon Peter, and I want you to consider Judas. Because they've got a lot in common. A lot in common. They traveled with the Lord. They ate with the Lord. They learned at the Lord's feet. They witnessed miracles. They witnessed people being healed. People raised from the dead. They were both given power. They were both given power to heal people from God. Yeah, Judas had that power. He sure did. Do you know the difference between Peter and Judas? Here's the difference. Peter had a sin problem. Judas had a sin problem. They both betrayed and denied Christ. Judas went to the world to get his problem solved. You know, we're told there, several places, Judas repented himself. He was sorry for what he did. He was sorrowful. But his sorrow led to destruction. Because he didn't go to Jesus. He went to the world. And he found no remedy. And his life ended in despair. Hanging from a tree. You know what Peter did about his sin? He ran to the Lord. He ran to the Lord. This man with numerous faults, numerous faults, he ran to the Lord, and the Lord corrected it. He healed it. That's the difference. There in John 21 and 8, Jesus speaks to Peter. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger... You girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Many secular historians record that Simon Peter was crucified by Rome. But do you know what they all agree on? That Simon begged the Romans to hang him upside down. You know why he asked that? Because in his heart, he was not worthy to die the same way his Lord did. Peter went on to preach the first gospel sermon. You remember that in Acts? 
preaching to the very people that crucified Christ. And thousands were saved. Thousands obeyed the gospel, were buried in the waters of baptism and washed in the blood of Christ. He healed the lame and the sick. Peter raised the dead through the power of God. He suffered greatly for the name of Jesus. He died for his faith in Christ Jesus. So what happened to Peter between the point where he was an unfaithful, non-word-keeping, faulty man to the point that he would suffer for the name of Christ and die for his faith? What happened to him? Well, he let go of his pride and humbled himself for one. He ran after the Lord He did God's will and not His own. He took off the lenses of flesh that He viewed the world with and He put on the lenses of Christ. And that's how He viewed the world. That's why Peter was able to die for his faith. The old man was crucified. So why are we talking about this here this morning? What, what's, what's the point of it all? First, I would say this. That each and every person here today has a place in God's kingdom. You have a job and a, a work to do as a part of the body of Christ. You see, uh, there's no uh, hierarchy here. There's no such thing as a second-class Christian. God only creates first-class Christians. And you men that think that you've been so bad or, or, or something's going on in your life that you haven't got corrected, Therefore, I'll never be able to be a deacon. I'm going to tell you something. Every single man, young boy that's a member of the church should be striving to fulfill those qualifications to be a deacon. Everyone that you can fulfill. You know, if there were 30 men here that were eligible and qualified to be elders, I'd be the first one to step up and say, listen, if there were 50 men here that had qualified themselves to be deacons, man, what a beautiful thing. And you ladies, the church needs you. That We need women, we need faithful women that follow the Lord, that love the Lord more than they love their own husbands. That's the type of marriages we need. And I'm telling you this, if you're not in that place right now, if you're not in that place, God can make it that way. He can turn the filthiest rag into something brand new. A new creature. No longer sitting in a pew warming it up on every Sunday. And that's it. 
He can change you into a person that is the true church. The church that is 24-7, 365 days a year. A church, a warrior of the cross. That's what the Lord can do to each and every one of us. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how many times you've failed, Jesus can change that. And we're going to wrap this up right now. And you know, at this time of the service, a lot of times we overlook this. and kind of go through it like it's a routine. We're offering an invitation. I'll tell you what, this invitation is from God. This is not from Jimmy Hayes. This is from God. He wants each and every person to be a member of His family. He takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. And He waits this morning. If you have not obeyed the gospel, if you have not confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and your Savior, been buried in the waters of baptism and washed in His blood, we stand ready to assist you. God will do all the work. He's the one that will add you to the church and remove that sin. If you're here this morning and you're the old Peter, if you're the old Simon, and you're here this morning and you want to be all in, which is what God demands of us. He wants all of us, not 90%, not 99%. He wants all of us. And if you would do that this morning, if you require the prayers of the church, you've got a bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ that will be more than happy to go to the Lord for you. A prayer on your behalf. So we'll offer that invitation at this time. If any need, uh, please come and have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing.